So I'm joined today by the wonderful Ryan Mack, who I had the absolute pleasure of working with in the end of 2021. We started working together and we did some work in 2022, uh, mainly on vocals. And I've just always been so impressed by everything that you do and how you manage your career and how you show up online and how you take care of your fan base and the great music that you make. And I am working with my artists here in Pro Vocal Artists, and I think there's a lot to learn from how you've started your career and how you maintain your career as an artist. So thanks Winnie, for being here, Ryan. Thanks for having me and uh, very lovely words that you've after sharing there. So uh, okay. I'm more than happy to, uh, to uh, share anything I know. Like you said, when we started working together, it was mainly vocals, but a lot of uh, nearly like therapy sessions for me, you know, <laughs> getting stuff off my chest. So uh, I don't know if everybody else is, is using you as the same uh, outlet as I did. But uh, but yeah, definitely important to have people to talk to with similar kind of aspirations in the music industry as well, I think is important. Totally. And I just think that it's so much of it. I think so much of your success and how well you've done has come down to your mindset and your ability to think like a, a professional about everything and how you approach everything. And I think that's what we're very excited to get into the nuts and bolts of today. Um, so when I was, I, I did a great stalk online and, oh, God. Uh, oh, I, I actually didn't realize that you had started in that boy band with Louis Walsh. I do not really realize that, no? No, I didn't oh. know that. So well, tell me, was that the begin? was that the first thing or was there like, were you already like, tell me about where it all started? Um, like in terms of getting into music. So my dad's a musician. Uh, so I grew up listening to him play uh guitar and sing and um kind of a lot of my influence would come from the music that he played around the house and he played literally everything from Joni Mitchell, James Taylor to Green Day, uh, Stiff Little Fingers, like everything across the board and then I developed kind of uh my own kind of taste after a while and I kind of went through my uh pop punk emo phase and the whole lot so in terms of uh digesting music I've you know since literally i know everyone says oh i started listening to music when i was like a kid mm -hmm. uh but i've one of those pictures where i'm literally a newborn and my dad put the guitar on my chest so um it's kind of just ingrained in me uh but i started playing guitar at the age of 12 then um and then i was kind of just like i think i wrote my first song when i was 13 uh very bad uh is all i remember i remember just being like how do i finish this like you know it's it kind of like i just started because i was like people write their own songs i want to write my own song and i was like how do i finish this it's i'm stuck on a part that's like not really good um so i just kind of experimented a bit more entered a few uh like talent shows in school and stuff like that and i kind of started you know people start telling you oh you're actually good and stuff like this and you're kind of like oh yeah but i'm like i'm only doing this like uh because I like to do it, you know, I was never doing it to be good or like have people tell me I was good. I just did it because I loved it and I seen my dad do it. Um, and then, yeah, kind of fast forward, I, I joined the choir when I was in like third year in school. That was kind of a pivotal moment where I like really, really started, uh, I don't know, kind of becoming obsessed with um, like melody and, and, and singing and stuff like that. Um, and then, yeah, jump forward to after school uh, when I finished. I didn't really know what I wanted to do. And then, thankfully, like I, I did the leaving certain stuff. It, and not everybody's Irish here, I'm assuming, is it? Or, no, like, no, mixed like, here, yeah. So like the exams before you go to college, essentially, and university, whatever. Um, and I did those and I was kind of like, you know, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I put down law, I put down god knows what i can't even remember loads of loads of stuff i wasn't really interested in um and then this uh course in dublin called bim which there's many in in england and i think it's like manchester london and the whole lot uh they opened up in in dublin it was the inaugural year the very first year and uh, i just happened to be on like a an open day in in one of the colleges and they were like taking applicants and stuff and because it was the very first year you needed very little to get in so uh i didn't really have to do well in my exams um so yeah i ended i ended up getting in there and then that was i was just kind of like i don't i still didn't know like i wanted to or how to make music or how to make money making music but i was like it's one step closer to it than going to study law in sligo uh so i just went for it uh auditioned got in and then spent two and a half years there 
got into Louis Walsh's boy band. Uh, he was auditioning just like random, like kind of like X Factor auditions. And I remember it was like on the radio uh, and stuff like that, you know, they were saying, uh, Louis Walsh looking for the next Westlife and Boyzone, whatever. And I was kind of like, oh, it's not my thing. At the time, I was kind of into like The Fray and uh, like One Republic and stuff, like real band kind of based things. And I was like, but like band, when I said band, I mean like playing guitar and drums and stuff like that, not boy band. And I was like, oh, I'd never do that. That's That sucks. That's not for me. I'm too cool. And then... Uh, and then one of my friends rang me and he was like, um, and, and meanwhile, like everybody in the town, like my, it's a pretty small town where I'm from, but friends, like friends of my girlfriend, like parents, friends and stuff were all like, oh, you should go for that thing. Like it's, it's on up in Dublin, Louis Walsh's band. I was like, no, 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 I'm too cool. I'm too cool. And then my friend rings me and he's like, I'm going to go up for this, uh, this boy band thing. And, and just a thing in my head was like, imagine I don't go and I see him like, you know, go and tour the world and make like tons of money and like have this luscious life of, of musicianship. And I was like, I have to go. I was like on the phone. I was like, yeah, me too, man. Yeah, cool. I'll, I'll go. Uh, so I turned up and it was like audition thing. And then I just ended up singing a cappella, no guitars, no nothing. And, uh, yeah, long story short, I got in and, uh, we got signed, uh, to RCA in the UK and we had two number one singles in Ireland. Uh, we charted 102 in the UK chart. Uh, and then as a result of that, they kind of like dropped us. And Well, they, they didn't drop us initially. They kind of sent us back to Ireland. We were living in London for a couple of months. And they mm -hmm. sent us back to Ireland. And then they were like, yeah, 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 we'll get back to you on some stuff. And then we heard from them like four months, maybe five months later, being like, you owe us this bill for the apartment cleaning. <laughs> that was it. So that's kind of a synopsis of of up until that point and and from after that is kind of yeah where we are now. so so what year did that what year did that wrap up uh, uh 2016 oh, okay and yeah. so then between 2016 and like i kind of understand you blowing up on tiktok and on social media as an artist really around the covid time 2020 yeah yeah yeah, yeah um, so was that the next big kind of turning point and how did that come about uh, yeah, it's the next moment that anything really happens. Um, so, like, right after the band finished, I was kind of like, what will I do? You know, like, and it's kind of, it's kind of like bittersweet. Firstly, I got a taste of the music industry uh, for as good and as bad as it is. Like, you know, all the sleazy stuff that happens, but all the great stuff. I got a taste of, like, touring and, and really just uh, having it as a career, I suppose. And that part of it, I was like, okay, that's what I want to do for the rest of my life. I knew it. I was like, there's nothing else on this planet that I want to do. I'm not interested enough to do anything else. Um, and then I was like, how do I get back there? Meanwhile, I have no money, obviously. So I got a job delivering furniture uh, for a company here in Newbridge. Uh, really just went like downwards from there. Like, you know, it was just like this vicious cycle. I was working eight to six, Monday to Friday. Uh, then on like a Friday evening or a Saturday evening, I'd go out and I'd have a couple of drinks, like a couple of pints, nothing crazy. Like I was never an excessive drinker, but mm -hmm. I just wasn't doing music at all because all my time during the week was work. And then at the weekends, I was drinking and going out and seeing friends and then back to Monday and you're in the same cycle again. So um, I remember I ended up going to Electric Picnic uh, in, yeah, six years ago this year and mm -hmm. uh i went for the whole weekend and i seen all these bands i was like how like i need to get back to there so monday morning i woke up hung over to bits and uh i was supposed to be in the job and uh they rang me and they were like where are you and i was like i'm not coming in i'm sick or something he was like you better be in here in an hour or whatever i was like no i'm not i can't come in like i'm sick and he started like you know eating the head off me on the phone and i was like okay he hung up and i was like it was almost like a reality check. You know, I need to stop wasting his time, wasting my time, wasting everybody's time, pretending I want to work in this job and not do music, you know? So I vowed to never drink again until I figured out how to make a career in music. And here we are six years later, I don't drink. Uh, not to say that it will, like people can't drink and be successful. You definitely can. But it, for me, it's been a huge, uh, I don't know, a huge asset to have to like 
never be hungover is great. Uh, and that's the only reason I didn't want to drink anymore either. I didn't want to be hungover. Um, but yeah, so then there's a couple of years then I, I start releasing music. Uh, they fired me from that job, by the way, in the October. Um, oh. <laughs> I'd worked there for like 11 months and I'd released, I think, two songs while I was there, maybe three. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then I, as I, when I got out of it, I went back doing pub gigs and stuff and I learned kind of how to that kind of comes into play later when I start doing all these live shows, you know, because you kind of learn how to, uh, I don't know, wrangle a rowdy crowd. Uh, and that becomes easier than when the crowd is actually there to listen to you. Um, but yeah, so I, I started, uh, I mean, in between is not really important. I just released a couple of songs, but then in uh, 2020, obviously, everything goes pear shaped. And uh, I had all this equipment like this, like not this mic, but a mic and stuff. And I never taught myself how to do it because I thought I didn't want to sit in front of a computer screen my whole life. I'd, I'm a very outdoorsy person. So uh, COVID hit and I had to. Uh, so I taught myself how to record myself at a basic level and produce at a basic level. And I started putting up covers because TikTok had obviously come about and I'd seen it. And I don't know if everybody or anybody remembers Vine, but mm-hmm. it was basically, to me, it was Vine at the time. And I was like, I had, I downloaded the app, I had a scroll and I was like, it was all just funny videos. I was like, okay, Vine started out as funny videos. And then like Sean Mendes came along and he became Sean Mendes, um, by doing covers. So I was like, that's what I'm going to do. Uh, so I started doing these like really high quality covers for what was on the app at the time. Mm-hmm. I did that from March until August and like nothing really happened at all. I got maybe like, I went up like 3000 followers, which is like a, a huge number of people if they're all in the room but i'd seen every other page around me like a friend of mine robert grace he'd gone up like to like two hundred fifty thousand uh from doing covers and i was like what am i doing wrong i was like maybe i'm just no good um <clears throat> and then i had a kind of like an intervention with my girlfriend uh because obviously i was gigging in the pubs and stuff and that was my my money so i'd been on like the the like, government supplement payment whatever whatever it was and that was gone now so she was like you need to get a job and uh i was like here we go i knew this was coming so we just sat down we had a good like heart to heart and then the next she's very very business minded and probably a lot of the keys to any success i've had um she's very very business minded she runs a, a hair salon uh but like to like it's like military style like she's like <laughs> she's a machine and uh she was like you know what you're gonna do tomorrow you're gonna get up and you're gonna write a song she was like, why, why don't you just write a song? I'll stop singing other people's songs. Just write a song and have it ready for when I come home. I was like, oh, cr- creativity doesn't work like that. Like, you know, I, I, I need to, what if, what if it takes me a week? And she's like, finish something by the time I'm home and play it for me. And then, you know, that's a step in the right direction. So I was like, okay, okay. And she's like, what time are you going to start? And for some reason, like being in the music industry for as long as I have, you like a lot of the writing sessions and people start at 12 midday for i don't know why it's just this rule uh and i was like i am gonna start at like 12 and she was like 12. she's like what are you doing from like nine she was like i'm i'm up in the morning like we sleep in the same bed i get up and i'm in work for nine o'clock she was like half my day's work is done before you're gonna do anything and i was like yeah you make a good point okay i was like 11. (laughs) (laughs) then she was like no she was like 10. She was like 10 latest, like get up, be in that studio for 10 or like at the time I didn't have the studio, but she was like, have everything set up for 10. I was like, okay. Needless to say, it was half 10 the next day. But anyways, I wrote a song and it was a song called Broke uh, that ended up being kind of the catalyst for everything and the kind of turning point for for everything. So I I had like the first verse, uh, the pre-chorus and the chorus uh, by the time she got home. And I really like, I have no recollection of uh, I've no voice memos, which up until that point, I always did voice memos for like writing songs. So I wouldn't forget anything. It just literally was like a flow thing where it just came out of me. Um, and then, yeah, I put that up. Uh, I remember writing and thinking this could be kind of cool for TikTok. And then mm-hmm. I put it up and then, you know, immediately it was like the, the vast difference between that and the other videos I'd posted, like the interaction and stuff was, was insane. So that's kind of like the turning point then, uh, when I got a bit. Oh my God. I'm just like so I many. I feel like I'm talking like verbal diarrhea. Literally. Oh no, it's, it's gold. It's so many things that I'm just like, that I, that, that are beliefs of mine as a coach that I'm always like kind of preaching, but sometimes I second guess myself and I'm like, God, am I really on, on the, on the right track here? But like, 
just showing up like we've all read the book the war of art by stephen pressfield we really like this book and the whole concept of that is like you show up you like at nine o'clock you're ready to write you you do mm-hmm. it and you don't wait to be inspired you actually have to like treat it like your job like a professional yep. and i love that that um that came about in that way and that was the advice and that was the come to jesus you had with your girl yeah, yeah, yeah. literally <laughs> i love all these like come to jesus moments in your life yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, i'm so hungover i'm so inspired by like <laughs> I'm not doing the job anymore. You just got to listen sometimes, you know. Got to listen. It's like you, gotta listen. you really need your back against your wall, against the wall kind of <laughs> to like. Yeah, and, and unfortunately, but I'm trying to learn to <laughs> get to that point, maybe. But, but some people give up at those points. They seem to. Yeah, be yeah. When you but that, I think that's the thing that the, the will to like, I don't have that in me to give up. Like it genuinely, mm. I don't, I just don't have it in me. I can't like I, I, when I was there and I was like, my girlfriend was like, you need to get a job. I was like. I was like, how do I convince her to just give me a little bit more time or something? Like, you know, it was always a little bit more time. It'll happen. Give me this. Give me that, you know. Um, And then thankfully something paid off eventually. And the fact that it was your own original song was that. Yeah. I mean, it couldn't have worked out better because I I love like when I was doing the pub gigs and stuff again, it was closer to, you know, it wasn't delivering furniture. It was closer to the dream of playing music for the rest of my life. Um, And it was kind of like. But I don't want to be singing people's songs for the like because I the first thing I did when I picked up a guitar was I I knew my own song because I tried to write one before I even learned any other ones. So mm. it was kind of always the kind of the most interesting part to me was the songwriting thing. Like mm. I love when I hear people sing other other people's songs really well. But to me, it was like I want to write. I want to be like a vessel for you know songs and and get them out in the world. I know, and you can't substitute for that when somebody is really genuinely inspired by what they're doing and is passionate, like it just always shines through, it comes through when it's aligned. And like, you cannot substitute for good songwriting, like at the heart of everything, every artist who's got any success has got good songs. And I just, and especially I think in the social media world that we're in, the the way the music market works now, you can kind of smell inauthenticity, like that when something isn't absolutely, you know, true. So, so then, okay, so the song Broke takes off. Um, What happens next? Uh, so that takes off and then I kind of, I don't know why I was savvy to, uh, I think I just kind of, I, I'm very like uh, observant of a lot of, uh, you know, I'll, I'll scan the playing field and see how, whatever, not what everyone else is doing and copy them or anything like that, but see what like, you know, learn from other people's mistakes is kind of one of the yeah. things, obviously. Like you're modeling success. I loved that yeah. you saw that Sean Mendes like paved this path and you're like, okay, I understand a path is here. Yeah. And then obviously you pivoted and you iterated on the path as you progressed as it wasn't like absolutely checking out. But I think that's so important. We talk about that all the time, like finding case studies, looking at the market and looking at how it, it's constantly changing. Like it's a totally oh. moving target, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, and, and that's, <clears throat> I think what I'd seen was at the time that like people would get like one viral video and then they'd be like, the like, at the time now, the broke video didn't go viral, viral for me. But like I said, and everything's relative, you know, yeah. as an artist and it's one of the things I've learned uh, over time. Um, like back then, I genuinely thought, holy crap, like this is like, I'm uh, that's it. I'm going to get signed like next week. This is it. I had like, it hit 30,000 views in a day. And I was like, whoa like this is i'm i'm famous um you know and then but what i'd seen from other people like they get like a viral video and then they would think oh i'm famous i got whatever i put up now is going to be gold you know and then they just like the next bit of content isn't like as good as the last and then it doesn't do as well and then they get disheartened and then they're like oh you know because they believe they kind of like believe the hype a little bit or something yeah. uh, for lack of a better term. But um, so I, I knew going in after I got that viral video, I was like, okay, this is, this is it. This is kind of like I'm in the algorithm maybe, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. I could well not be also like the next thing I put up, I was, I was totally like, okay with failing, I think. Yeah. And I think because I failed for six months previous, it was kind of like, I'd failed so much that I was like, well, I'm just going to go back to there. And then, okay, I got to get back again up another stone you know so um i remember like the next video i put up was like because i because i couldn't like be like oh what am i gonna do write a song every day like you know and just put it up so i was like i did like a, a cover not a cover but a a duet of uh 
this guy was doing like an acapella version of Fireflies, but he was doing like, like Owl City, but the backing track. Uh, so he was doing all the stuff and you had to sing the melody uh, and the lead. And I did that and it like didn't do well. And I was like, okay, so my, my theory is correct. You know, not everything after you get a viral video is golden. So mm -hmm. I was like, how do I, how do I bring things back to my writing? And then at the time, Charlie Puth had put up like a, a video being like somebody write to this or something. I don't know what he said, but, uh, it was a song called stress me out. He still hasn't released it to this day. Uh, but I'd figured I got a little bit ahead of the curve and I figured out how to record myself properly mm -hmm. and how to duet him, but also use the sound. So it, what you kind of had to understand at the time was his sound was going viral. So the algorithm is like so clever that it just recognizes when someone else uses the sound. Mm. But I had written, like, it was so poppy that I needed to record it with my mic and stuff like that. And I added harmonies and stuff like that. So I couldn't just sing it just me and through the app, you know? So I had yeah. to basically record it, mime it, and then stitch the two videos together in like iMovie or something and then upload it and use the sound and upload the video with the sound and then that went viral and it got like like that was that was the one that i posted it i went for a walk i came back it was on a million views by by the time i was back from the walk um and then from there i've just genuinely i've no like it's just kind of rolling with the punches from there on like it's it's genuinely like you said everything's so ever-changing the algorithm changes sometimes like i've gone through periods of time where i've posted stuff for a week or two maybe three and been like my TikTok's gone it's not working and then eventually it comes back around and you're at it again you know so hmm. it's uh yeah it's really been kind of just rolling with the punches from there on out I know, absolutely. So like, but you had figured out formulas from that, I imagine, like, what was the format of the broke video? Uh, so broke, it was just, it was just me with the mic. So I had this SM7B mm -hmm. uh, and I would just sing it to the camera and like, I'm just kind of, I was just being myself and I'm kind of like a little bit goofy and like, I don't take myself too seriously. Yeah. Uh, I'm always trying to be the joker of the group. So I kind of like, don't really care if somebody's like, Oh, what do you like? If someone wanted to laugh at a video, I, I was, I was very free and loose in the video uh, yeah. and I was just singing it towards it. And I would no kind of, uh, problems with anyone thinking different. Um, so it was, that was just it. And I, I think I'd written, uh, I think I'd said like anybody else feel the same or something. Mm. And, uh, I mean, there's always broke people in the world, you know, uh, yeah like i came from my family had nothing grew up in a council house with nothing uh so I, I i you know i know plenty of people who resonated with it immediately um okay. so that was that was the that was the kind of uh formula for that but then the duet thing was kind of when it started really you know i'd start seeing opportunity and you'd see charlie Poot did it obviously and then people start going oh well people are using his stuff and like writing over it i'll do more and then they start doing things and I was just like, okay, I'll hop on that. I'll hop on this. I'll hop on that. And it just kind of became showcasing my writing, I suppose, you know. Totally. But like you're, you're using TikTok as a community, as a whole, like, like ecosystem of music yeah, yeah. and you're interacting with it creatively and leveraging it and using it as, yeah. you know, and kind of just being thinking outside of the box with it and not yeah. being so singular. You're like, how do I interact? How do I create and collaborate? Which is so yeah. cool. And like, I think that, yeah, the, the message of the song, especially I think at the time, like it's so relatable. Oh yeah. I mean, and it's kind of vulnerable as well. Like it's, you know, being very honest, very real and people just really resonate with that. And I think that I can't like, okay, you're so good at commenting back to everyone. Like you're, how is it like, is there a difference between online Ryan versus like private Ryan? <laughs> <laughs> Same private Ryan. No. Yeah. Is there a difference between those two people? And how do you manage it? Like, I don't know, mental health wise, because I think a lot of us who are in pro vocal artists and, and having conversations about social media, uh, the big block can be like putting yourself out there, feeling vulnerable, feeling exposed and also getting drained and um, by the amount of social interaction and the yeah. potential for hate. Like, tell us how do you deal with that mindset wise? Um, it's very, I think, well, firstly, I, I'll go back to what, what you just said, because I completely forgot about this, but you said, you just said, like, how do you deal with like negative comments or hate comments? So 
the reason broke actually went like bigger than like so that first video did 30,000 and that was like kind of my foot in the door and then a girl actually called Allison from America somewhere uh wrote underneath it saying hmm maybe get a job and I think this is where I kind of like my brain where like I genuinely don't care what anyone says online like I get it all the time too much autotune like people don't even know what the autotune is they they confuse like EQ and a vocal and a bit of compression and whatever oh there's an Allison here it wasn't her <laughs> <laughs> but uh but yeah so it was like you know pe people kind of confuse I don't know people people let the negative comments get to them and, and I I don't know I just seen it and I was like me and my girlfriend again we're out for a walk and I said to her oh this girl commented like maybe get a job and I was like what if I like reply to her comment and write a verse and s instead of just like getting the phone and be like oh well I actually don't have a job because this this and this why if I why don't I sing that in the song about broke explaining why I don't have the job and then go to the chorus again and like maybe it might do something and uh so I replied to her comment and I sang like it was like the worst verse ever but it was like basically uh and at the start of it, I was like, Alison, why are you, what did I say? Like, why are you going to do me dirty like that or something? And uh, then I sang the verse. And then that went like, that did like 300, 400,000 views in a night. Uh, and it was my own song. And I was like, this is crazy. So um, I suppose you kind of, it's, it's how you look at the comments. Like genuinely, I listen to a lot of podcasts and they're all like, you know, American people. And they're like, oh, we always get hit. And they're just like, you just can't read the comments. Like they're, these people are, most of them are losers in like and i'm not trying to be harsh but like most of them are just losers who are afraid to do you know put themselves out there and and face criticism themselves and that's why they you know almost 100 percent of the time they're looking for a reaction you know mm. they're just they just want like i've had it before where someone would be like too much autotune bro and then i'd be like do you know what autotune is and they'd be like oh thanks for writing back man i'm a big fan i'm like what <laughs> where did that come from it was like 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 some guy wrote to me you just gotta, you just gotta let it like water off a duck's back, you know. Some some guy wrote to me the other day and was like, "Hey, bro, you can sing and all, uh, but your lyrics are incredibly cheesy. Uh, let me let me write them and fix them for you or something." We, I definitely think we could do something. And I was like, "Where do you th think that like approaching me with your Negative. lyrics are incredibly cheesy? Something that I like, I'm passionate about." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a big negative comment, like not even a backhanded comment, just like a punch to the face, and then be like, "But let me write songs with you and like." <laughs> I'm like, what? I don't know. It's just kind of, so you just got to like, I don't know. I, I just kind of, maybe I just deal with it different. I know a lot of people who do read into it. Um, but for me as well, like you said, we are creatives and we, we tend to like spend a lot of time here or there or whatever, like in, in this kind of musician zone. Uh, and I think having discipline, having like, having a cutoff point, like, don't be afraid to be like, like you said, you turn up at nine. Don't be afraid to finish at six. You know, don't be afraid to be like, you won't catch me in this studio after six. I'm I'm out. Like, treat it like, you know, it's a job. Because mm -hmm. even my girlfriend's, uh, my girlfriend's mother, she works, she like is a carer. Uh, well, she's a nurse, but like she looks after nuns and stuff in, in, a, in a convent. And uh, she's always coming home stressed, hates the job, like hates the job. But she's only like one more year left and she's retiring. And she hates the job. She like manages everybody in there. And she asked me one day, she was like, what's like, you know how do you do it well you always seem like you're so happy like you know doing stuff and i was like yeah like i love music and i it's all i want to do for the rest of my life but if i was doing it every single hour of the day i'd hate it i was like i have to like separate it i run in the morning that's my you know exercise good for the head uh when i'm finished up here in the evening i make sure i go for a walk to just like decompress and not like instead of just packing everything down going down sitting on the couch watching more tv and just occupying my mind with a screen uh, I like to get out in nature. I like to, you know, really just s separate all this computer and online persona and stuff and uh, get in touch with the real world and, I don't know, come back down to earth a little bit and remember that it's not all, you know, they're all just numbers on a screen. And, yeah, they've changed my life and, like, financially and everything. Uh, but th what they say isn't the be-all, end-all, you know, good and bad, you know. If people are saying you're the best singer on earth, I know I'm not the best singer on earth, so I'm not yeah. going to believe that either. So you gotta, you got to... You gotta not feed into the good comments as much as the bad. You gotta just kind of sit in the on the fence a little bit. Totally, both of them are quite ungrounding. Even the like hyper positive stuff as well. Yeah, because like, then your head goes this big, and then you think you're the best thing since sliced bread. You know. I know. I, I just coming back to I, another thing that we need to learn from what you're doing, Ryan, is this like not thinking about make releasing a song 
as so um strict and like formal the fact that you like turned an interaction from a comment into another opportunity like the the rewrite of a verse for example yeah. like that's not something that we would have done before TikTok era um and just how like malleable your creativity can be and how integrated your creativity as a songwriter can be because of the TikTok platform. And I think that's one of the biggest gifts of that social media platform is that we can like collaborate and interact and, and like how exciting that, I mean, I, I, I did Alison write back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She did. She wrote back and was like, you know, cause everybody was like, oh yeah, you told her. And like, everybody was on my side, you know, being like, <laughs> you know, they love to like army together and be like, yeah. F you, Alison. Uh, and then they were all, yeah, they were all on my side. And then she wrote back and then she was like fighting people in the comments. I remember like people were like tagging her because she deleted the comment then, you know? And then when you click through, see comment, it was like comment has been removed by whatever, um, which I never got because you can still see the user's name. So like people went to her page then. And this is where like the toxicness of, uh, of the online world comes on because I meant no ill intent to her at all. All I seen was an opportunity to like capitalize and maybe, you know, bring more eyes to my song because it was like a little weird thing online. Mm -hmm. And everybody, you know, started going at her in her, like going onto her page and going into her comments being like, oh, you're such a, and I was like, that's not what I want either. Like no. none of that is just, just let's all listen to music and have a good time. And that's it. Lighthearted about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I remember people were like fighting her in the comments and she was like, I've like, she said something about a job or something. And the guy was like, I work two, uh, I work two jobs and I'm still broke to feed my whole family. And then she was like, yeah, well, I built my house at the age of 26 and all this. And I was like, I know you're really just boasting in the TikTok comments. I you know? know. Some people just want to be seen and heard. Some people really do. Oh, and so, okay. The other thing that I think is I've met your manager, Niall, yep. and I don't know, when did you start, when, when did you start working with him? How did he find you? How did you choose each other? Yeah. Uh, so I played, uh, in 2019, uh, well, firstly, he used to manage a band called wild youth, uh, yeah. who were an Irish band, pretty big. Um, and he was managing them at the time. I ended up bagging a support slot with them in uh -huh. Cypress Avenue in Cork. Uh, went down, played it. Uh, me and the guys got on really well. They seemed to love the uh, set that I did. And then they were like, "Will you come on the whole tour?" Like we're gonna. They were like hammered. And at this point, I wasn't drunk or I wasn't drinking. So they were <laughs> like, "Oh man, we're gonna ring our manager. Uh, will you meet him? Like he's gonna he's gonna love you." And we get him on tour. So they brought me on the rest of the tour, and I met Niall at uh, the academy. And I just kind of like briefly spoke to him. And at the time, I was kind of afraid of him. He's this big stoic guy you know he's kind of built like a yeti looks a bit like a grizzly bear uh and i was kind of afraid of him uh so fast forward then i, I played music cork in 2019 um oh. and again i'd known i had a manager at the time but he uh turns out he was stealing money on me um yeah a whole lot of money on me um but at the time i had him i knew i wanted to get away from him yeah uh, but I, at the time, just thought you had to have a manager, uh, which I, I don't think you have to have a manager now for anyone listening. If you don't have a manager, uh, it's nearly better to get them when uh, you've kind of established yourself and know what you want to do, you know, because you kind of end up looking at them thinking, why aren't you doing this for me? Why aren't you doing that for me? But ultimately, it's up to you to do the stuff and then they'll just kind of assist you along the way. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, so I met him there. Well, I performed at Music Cork. And then he caught me in the in the foyer of a hotel after uh -huh. and he was like oh i seen you last night uh you were very good favorite actor weekend will you come uh he was like i know you have a manager now at this at the time but uh how's that going you know and i was like that's not great and he was like well look if you're up for meeting for lunch so i went and met him for lunch and then it's kind of like dating then i met him a couple of times i'd also <laughs> been seeing this other manager on the side you know it was really like brought me back to my school days um not that i was a player or anything by the way um but you know i was just kind of like seeing two people at once and like who will i go with who will i not and then ultimately me and niall just ended up having like really really good chats and uh i kind of remember i, I just kind of went on a gut feeling at the end you know um, so 2019 and then obviously 2020 happened and he lives in LA, um, from Ireland, but lives in LA and yeah, we just kind of spoke on the phone every single day during, during lockdown. And, uh, again, he couldn't really do anything too hands on. Mm -hmm. and this is why I'm kind of 
I say you don't really need a manager now. Like, not that I didn't need Nile through the whole experience, but it's like you know you can do a lot yourself, and then you get to a point where like now Nile has to work. You know, Nile has to work hard now because I've got stuff. Whereas in, in the beginning we were just kind of spitballing ideas. He was kind of a shoulder to lean on and stuff like that. They become really really important when you start kind of getting into the nitty gritty and you know uh if there's record deals if there's licensing deals if there's like all that kind of stuff to be handled now it's kind of like a swiss army knife when it comes to all that stuff so that's yeah. where i know you were kind of saying to me uh what could i not do with, without now uh, you know yeah. and a lot of it is that stuff i'm because i'm very creative minded i'm not very business i'm business minded to a certain degree maybe in the in the music business i'm i'm i operate a little bit differently than most but for the most part, like, you know, accounts and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Stop the lights. I'm, <laughs> I'm not your man. There was a guy stealing money on me for Christ's sake, you know, and I didn't even see it for months. Uh, yeah. So I'm a lot of that kind of stuff. A lot of like speaking to, uh, you know, Spotify and uh, looking after stuff if something goes wrong with a release or we we encounter a problem through my distributor, which is TuneCore now. And, you know, a lot of stuff like that. And, and then obviously I did two licensing deals and he kind of, you know, looked after all that and orchestrated the the deal in the end. Nice. And then in terms of opportunities, like I know that you did that support tour with AJR and mm. you've done a headline tour um, and obviously landing those publishing deals. Was he crucial in that? Yeah. So like, uh, again, like, and, and this is, I kind of, I always feel bad when I say it because I'm like, if Niall thinks that I don't need him, I, like I need <laughs> Niall, but <laughs> You know, there's a lot of stuff you can get away with doing yourself until the point. Like, could I have orchestrated those deals myself? Yeah. Would I have got as good a deal? No, probably not. You know, who knows? You never know. All I know is what I've done with him and what I've done with him is where I'm at right now. So it's yeah. kind of like the two licensing deals that I got. The first one came in. We were speaking to labels at the time. Uh, really wanted to be signed. Signed. Would have took any amount of money. I was broke, as you know. So uh, just ended up like... The record labels really didn't get it they were like we don't get it we kind of like yeah you're kind of this thing on TikTok, and you've got like broke was out at the time it was doing well uh i had another song out i had another couple of songs out that were doing well but they were just like we don't get the artist package because they're remember looking from the old world where they had to like shop this thing that was like had an album and this package and you needed to have a stylist and stuff like that and then TikTok has allowed us to have this world where people actually don't care about the stylist they don't care about this they actually they can relate to me more than they can re relate to a guy who's like dressed up in all these like fancy balenciaga clothes and all these rich guy stuff you know they can yeah. relate to me who's like come from nothing you know mm -hmm. um so with uh with all that kind of stuff you know they didn't get it so i was kind of like bummed at the time but then this licensing deal came through from amuse which is a distributor out yeah. of sweden and they basically just said we we want to sign your six songs i had six songs on spotify at the time they were like we want to sign those six songs so i had overwhelmed was going really big at the time it was doing like eighty-eight thousand streams a day and they were like we want uh we want to buy those six songs and license them for you know at the time i didn't know what the deal was but then i looked after that so we ended up doing a 70 30 split on the master in favor of me uh i got a six-figure advance it was for five years and i got all the masters back after five years and i made the advance back in 18 months and now i collect 70 percent for the next three years just about and uh then they'll all come back to me again and they were niall did all that you know and then even previously so overwhelmed it was somebody else's chorus and i wrote the verses Yes. because sorry i'm kind of jumping all over the place here but it, it kind of makes sense in the yeah. in the grand scheme of things so i was doing these duet things like i said yeah. and they kind of started dying off so i was like right how can i like you know people weren't putting up the things that i could duet and i was like how can i make this that i don't have to rely on people to upload a duet and i was like well what if i do if i had a feature on such and such a song or if i had a verse on such and such a song and then that's where that kind of uh, content idea kind of derived from so I started just doing that and I was, it, my intention was to hopefully bag a feature. I wanted to be like, I wanted to do something so good that the artist would see it and be like, let's just give this guy a shot and put out this version. And like, you know, and then a label would be like, well, we need to sign him because of this, that was my intention. Mm -hmm. uh, and I put it out <clears throat> and overwhelmed, but really big. And just unfortunately, well, fortunately now at the time, they'd just done a, a remix with this other guy, Christian Gates, who same as me had done like a similar video on blown up. 
So she had like her top three songs were that song. There were three different versions of that song. And yeah. we reached out to them. We're like, I, I ended up releasing it on YouTube and it got a million views in a week. Uh, and then they were like, we want to hear it on Spotify, like the fans were or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, I got to put it on Spotify. And we approached their manager and their manager said, look, our top three songs right now is this song. We kind of want to get away from it. You know, we, we have more new music we want to put out. We don't want to be just, you know, stuck doing this song for forever uh versions of it so uh he was like we don't want to do it we love the version ryan did but we'll help you get across get it across the line legally uh and publishing wise and stuff so you can release it uh so then again niall comes into play and niall looks after all of that uh all that kind of you know i don't even know what to call that side of admin bits like like admin seems like it's a bit of a downplay on what it is it's very very intricate and dirty stuff that i can't deal with you know um you really need to have that kind of walk into a room and like be confident kind of vibe and tell people what you want. And uh, yeah, so Niall negotiated that and uh, I ended up having to pay them seven and a half thousand dollars to the publishing companies so I could use the song. And it's called an interpolation, uh, which is using a person's like melody and lyrics, but not the original, nothing original from the original uh, master. So I re-recorded everything myself. So, uh, so I was able to own 100% of the master, which obviously became really valuable when it started going off, and then people like Amuse offered me money for it. So, so yeah, all that kind of uh, stuff kind of went crazy, and it's all a whirlwind. But uh, that's incredible that you had Nile on your team for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like he he negotiated everything, and then my lawyer, I have a lawyer out in LA too. Yeah. And he was like, you're not going to get any publishing on this. I've seen these deals a million times. Like they're, you know, if they, if they offer you any publishing at all, whatever it is, just take it. And we're like, okay. And they came back and they're like, we'll give you, we want $4,000 first is what they said. And we'll give you 20% of the master or 20% of the publishing. And my lawyer was like, run, like take it and run and just bite their hand off. And I was like, okay. And then we went, we'll take it. And then they came back and were like, actually, we want seven and a half thousand and we'll give you 30% of the publishing. And again, my lawyer was like, you're getting more publishing. He was like, you'll make that. So we, we had to sit down and me and I let's sit down and be like, how many streams will it take me to make back seven and a half thousand? And it's roughly two million. And I yeah. was like, do I think that this song that did a million views in one week on YouTube yeah. could make two million views in or two million streams in its whole lifetime i wasn't thinking about in a week in a month in its whole lifetime can i make that money back and i was like yeah so it's a no-brainer let's just do it and pay it and go mm-hmm. uh, and then within two a week and a half i think i'd made the eight grand back and paid them so wow oh my yeah, god and not, actually niall paid the seven and a half grand initially because i didn't have it so i just paid niall back immediately when i got it yeah so they can also come in handy as a bank loan if you <laughs> if you find the right <laughs> if you find the right one I know, but oh, what? So not. I mean, Niall found you. How did you get that support slot for Wild Youth? Uh, Connor, one of the guys who was in Wild Youth. He's the okay. yeah. I just knew him. I think we hadn't written a song together at the time, but we we'd kind of talk about writing a song together, and I just dropped him a mail. I remember I dropped him a mail or a DM. I heard him on the radio, mm-hmm. and I was like, hey. Uh, like if you've got a support slot free like let me know and he was like uh at the time he was like just heard your song on the radio uh, is what he said to me i had a song on the radio at the time and then he was like look let me see what i can do and then he wrote back to me like maybe that day or maybe the next day just saying you can do cork which was just a one and then obviously again foot in the door i did cork and then they let me do the rest and then i met niall and then here we are Look, so important to initiate those conversations. Yeah, 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 for sure. Knock on the door, to send the DM. It can be yeah. a simple message. Yeah. And it's so important to foster relationships and meet people and get to know people. And it's not about like schmoozing at like a fancy networking event. Like it's. I, it's- ha- I hate that. I, <laughs> I genuinely, I'm not even joking you. I can't stand them. I feel slimy when I leave them. Yeah. I hate them. It's not me. And, and that's kind of another thing is like, I think for anyone here in this group you need to like be be yourself don't like show up to these things because everyone else is yeah you will like you can you can blag your way to you know to certain things and and turn up to them but for me just deep down it isn't in me i've got i've gone to many of them Mm -hmm. i'd much rather be chilling like around the corner with some of my friends in the music business Mm -hmm. and just you know 
shooting the breeze, doing nothing, then, then be in there like, what did you write? And you're talking over loud things. They're like, oh, I did this song by Ariana Grande. Yeah, and your man's like kitted out with all this stuff. And it's like they're looking down on you. And I'm like, come on, be a human, man. Be a human. Like, we're all the same. You're not, you're no different. Yeah, you had a bit of success, but you're no different. Like, it can all be gone in the morning, you know? You're only as good as the last song that you do. So, um, yeah, I just think those networking things are, if you have a very few good good connections it's more valuable than a lot of these stupid like talking to this lad once and pretending you're his friend totally and they're formed so synthetically it's like oh, I, 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 I genuinely i can't express how much they they drive me mad yeah so i think r r rule those out i think it's about real relationships do you feel like i mean let's say somebody feels like an island right now as an artist they're like i mean i'm not in a music network how are they going to plug themselves in? How, you know, maybe they want to start co-writing. Maybe they want to start, yeah, just having friends and people that can recommend them, or they might want to get in front of a manager or make that relationship happen. What, what how do you think they can get out of that siloed position or that like isolated position? Um, again, it's like relative to what you want. So like, I think if you want to be the method of like build it and they will come is kind of something that I, I go off, you know? Yeah. I've, I've like, look at what I did. I went to, I don't know how many labels, you know, banging down the doors, begging them to sign me. And then, you know, eventually it's when I, it's when I stopped thinking about it, that I mm -hmm. eventually get some sort of license and deal, you know, but mm -hmm. before that, everything was like, please, 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 please. And you're begging and you're begging and you're never going to get the best deal if you're begging either, because they're like, oh, well, we've got the leverage here. We'll give them a little crappy deal and take all these worth and whatever. So I think like, and I know it sounds very like, it sounds very easy coming from me now, but like, trust me, it, it genuinely build it and they will come is, is the most, the best kind of method to go by because, uh, people just get FOMO then. And they're like, well, what's he doing over there? He's over there by himself. He's not, you know, he's not annoying us wanting to be signed. What's I want to go over and see what he's doing. You know, yeah. um, they start getting intrigued and, you know, you start kind of having a bit of leverage kind of turn in your favor. Then I know you, Gemma, you'll probably love this as well, but, uh, <laughs> at the time whenever before that right before i signed the, the publishing or the licensing deal yeah. i was again beg not begging but like knocking down the doors and wanting to get signed and then i seen this uh i seen this uh TikTok and it was like an affirmation thing and it was like i don't chase i attract what belongs to me will simply find me and it was like just say this every single day you know whether you you know believe it or not just say it every single day and you watch it start changing and i was like come on you know and so I started doing it. And then my, my mindset just started changing being like, yeah, I don't chase so, You know, I attract what belongs to me will simplify me. And I just kept saying it like, you know, cause I was like, what, what have I got to lose by saying it? You know, I'm just saying something out loud and then you start believing it. And then I swear to God, I'm not even joking you. I started saying it a week later was when I got the licensing deal information and email and i was like this is this has got to be i thought it was a joke at first because your man stated exactly how much they were going to pay me for the licensing deal in an email and i was like is this my nigerian uncle the prince that has come from my emails <laughs> um and yeah I, I i ended up following that down down that hole and ended up getting the deal so that just changed my mentality into thinking like you don't need anybody else you know you gotta walk you know, what am I selling here? I'm in the business of selling songs. So I've got to focus on the songs. Uh -huh. Same with Spotify. You can beg all the Spotify listener or Spotify curators all you want to put you on this, that and the other playlist. But eventually they put you on the playlist and then nobody listens to you on the playlist. Yeah. So I started going, what can I do? How can I take them out of the equation? Mm -hmm. I was like, well, I can put the music out and then I can make a TikTok and mm -hmm. I can try make that go viral. Mm -hmm. off my own back and then i can tell the people to go listen to it on spotify yeah and then you've just taken them out of the equation and then uh, even still to this day i don't have a contact in spotify i don't talk to anybody in there i don't beg them to put me on a playlist i don't care if they put me on it like not that i don't care I'm, i have to you know express the gratitude that when i get on a playlist i'm like that's cool i'm grateful for that it's a 100 a cool thing but yeah. if it doesn't happen it's not the end of the world it's not going to change your career if you get on a playlist I know. And it's so sustained, like, I mean, obviously there's ups and downs, but it's within your, you've created a world that's in your control. Mm -hmm. You know, you're not reliant on other people, other, other leverages outside of what you can control in terms of being a creator, a writer, and um, somebody who shows up on social media. And it was, it's funny because I remember meeting, like, obviously I've, I've known Keen to Crow for years, but I remember mm -hmm. meeting him in London a few years ago when things were like about to turn for him. 
and he was talking about manifestation and he's like i'm saying this stuff every day and i was his energy i was like is he is he even like is he levitating at the moment <laughs> he was like off the charts yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was like, this is happening. Like, this is all, this is written in the stars. It's about to all kick off. And I was, mm -hmm. I just, I, he believed it so deeply. And I, I love this idea of like taking that power back. And so in terms of it, as a kind of a roundup or as I were like a wrap up, like yeah. what are the, what are the principal things you think uh, people as independent artists who are starting out on this journey right now should be focused on? Should they be looking to hire PR? Should they be looking for a manager? Should they be just leaning into TikTok? Should they be like, you know, songwriting? Should they be doing those covers? Like, where do you feel like their energy would be best spent? Again, like relative to your own kind of world, you know, everybody's different. That's why we have multiple genres and like, you know, somebody out there thinks Justin Bieber is the greatest artist of all time and somebody out there can't stand listening to him. So you got to remember that kind of stuff. But I think the PR thing, no, I've never, I hired a PR person like ages ago to go to radio or something. Um, and it was like the biggest waste of 1500 euro of my life. Um, so now you've got that in your own hands with TikTok and stuff like that. But I would just say, focus on what you can control, you know, and don't, everything else will look after itself. You show up every day. I, like I come in here some days and I'm like, what am I going to do like song wise? Um, and like, even I have a wedding song uh, that I wrote that is like taken off on TikTok and it does like a hundred thousand streams a day. And that's 100% me. I mixed, mastered and did everything on it. But I turned up to this room one day. I hadn't written a song in like two months, maybe three months, not for writer's block or anything. It was just like, you know, you kind of like, I kept finishing or like getting half ideas and then like moving on and being like, oh, I'll come back to that or like this idea might be better. And I just kept jumping from thing to thing. And then one day I just came up and I just said, you know what, Ryan, you close that door in the room, come in here with a cup of tea, sit down at the piano and just write a song again. Like my girlfriend said to me back then, whatever it is, it is. And by the end of the day, I have this piece of work to show. And if at the end of the day, I can judge whether it's crap or not, but I got to finish it until that point. And mm -hmm. I think that's to kind of encompass it all is like what we are as artists is we are just like, we can write them and make them as good as we can in this room, in the studio and wherever you are, you don't get to determine how the people perceive it at the end. You know, you can only make it as, as good as you can and then put it out. It's up to them to tell you or to, to want it to be their favorite song ever or their least favorite song ever. Um, but you don't, you don't get to control that. You got to just put it out and leave it up to the gods or what maybe, you know, but just focus on you, focus on what you can control, show up every day. Practice definitely makes perfect. And, uh, yeah, if you want to be perfect, just practice. <laughs> Go for you, Ryan. I love it. So many amazing takeaways there. And I feel like, uh, I think that to summarize it thematically is like yeah focusing on what you can control all the time and you know listening to you know taking those moments where your back is up against the wall and being like okay how can i make this better how can i turn this around what have i got at my disposal well i can i have my time and i'm going to sit down and, and figure it out and write a song yeah. um so i think as well there's a i'll send i'll send you the the picture i don't know if you've seen it before you can send it to everyone else yeah it's like uh it's too, this really resonated with me when I seen it and it kind of changed my mentality of like, you know, because we're all critics of our own art and we all kind of, you know, get in our own way when it comes to releasing songs. If you, if you're an artist or like even just putting out content and you kind of are like, oh, this isn't good enough or, well, well I'm going to change this and change that and then it'll be good and then I'll get a mix and then I'll do this and then you're leaving no stone unturned. Mm -hmm. But I seen this picture then and it was like two targets, you know, two like archery targets and one of them had like 10 shots or whatever and like mo some of the mists like they were all over the place none of them hit the bullseye and then the next one was just a blank target and it said on the left one with all the misses this isn't failing and then it said on the right this is so it's like you take all the shots you might miss them all but if you don't take the shot you failed already you know absolutely i know yeah. i think definitely getting comfortable with that and that's what's hard about being an artist is because we're having to fail out loud in front of people and i think getting the getting way it is. that i know and actually, so there was a couple of student questions I'm going to run by yeah, you. Of course. There, so um, on that point, Ali Moss was asking, um, are, do you have a background in acting or music theater? Like, you know, you're brilliant on online and in those skits and everything. Any background there? Oh, no, God, God no, those things. <laughs> uh, no, not at all. Like I did, uh, I did two school shows when I was younger. 
Yeah. And just like in fifth and sixth year, I did Oliver Twist and I did uh, High School Musical. And I was tribolton nonetheless, you know? <laughs> and Addy says, just a natural then. Just a natural, yeah. I don't know. I just kind of like, yeah, I don't know. I kind of just find them fun, I suppose. Yeah, but I just, I think what you had said earlier, you don't take yourself very seriously in a great way. You know, you just have fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah which is brilliant. Um, so Nadia was asking Ryan's fails and mistakes that he made um, on the way to success and uh, conclusions from those fails, like some of this we might have covered already and correct. Yeah, but even even like every day I make mistakes, you know, yeah. like and some of them, like they're, it's never going to be so big that like ruins your whole career. Like, you know, yeah. it's, like that's kind of what we think it is, you know, but even mm -hmm. videos and stuff, you know, I made so many mistakes on videos like i leave a text over my face for the whole thing by an accident and then posted it and i'm like crap you know they're like little minor things but yeah. even releasing stuff i put uh, a song out the last song that i put out when you release a song on spotify for the first week you get the live streams like by the minute like as they're going and you're seeing them like one two three you're seeing them go up in like tens whatever mm -hmm. and uh the last one wasn't working for me every time i went into it, it was like just zero and i was like what's going on because after a week of it being out it goes to like every 24 hours it'll just you know you'll see it update every day by whatever streams it did the previous day mm -hmm. i couldn't figure out i wrote to spotify and they were like oh it says you released the song on the 9th of august and i was like well i released it on the 25th of august mm -hmm. and it turns out there was some mistake i guess on my end i don't really know but mm -hmm. uh whenever i uploaded the song to tunecore i chose release date 25th of august but I must have clicked a button that said, was this released before? And then I must have clicked yes. And it said it was released previously. The original release date was on the 9th of August. And that's like a huge mistake for me because I, I love the first week when I'm, you know, monitoring the, the streams and seeing how it's going and really trying to gauge it. And that was kind of gone. And so then this time I just uploaded a song to come out this month and I made sure, you know, I learned from the last one. I was like, literally just analyzing it down 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 and i was like it's not there i didn't click it if anything happens here it wasn't me so you gotta just you gotta just you learn by doing you know you I learn know. by doing i know do you have a team that helps you with the output of social media content uh only recently i got a guy now to to start doing videos for me but yeah. only because i couldn't hold the thing and do it at the same time yeah it's not like the video the ideas are all mine everything's all mine you know i just basically get him to do the camera work yeah. um yeah so when, I, when we were working together I, it was just accepted as part of your full-time job every yeah, day it still is yeah still yeah. is artwork everything i do like the next song that comes out i produced mixed mastered did the artwork and Damn. then i've got the first video that comes out i did myself so, ryan oh my god yeah but it's scary like at the first time i I'd been always getting other people to master it because that's what you do in the music industry. You know, you're taught, you have to get somebody else to master it. You have to get somebody else to mix it. You got to get fresh ears on it and they uh -huh. know best. Uh -huh. And I was, I was always finding myself in those situations being like, can you just make it sound a little bit more like what I had, you know, a bit more like the reference I sent you. And then I was like, why don't I just use the reference? You know, yeah. if I'm, if I'm always telling them to go back to the reference, why can't I just do the reference? Uh -huh. So I started doing that. And then like that, there's like requirements for Spotify with like, uh, compression and stuff mm -hmm. so the first time i did it i was like like cause you don't get to see it until the day it comes out so i was like this could be awful it could sound horrendous on the actual spotify app you know because they compress it down and like you know they have to make basically everything if my song is this high in in decibels and someone else is this they have to bring them to meet so they squash mine down and bring theirs up so you yeah. got to meet those requirements so you again i just learned by doing i threw it out and i was willing to go if that goes tits up so be it. I got to learn for the next one, you know, Good for you. Oh, my goodness. I know. I look, that's the thing we kind of have to accept to sometimes the messiness of the like FFT. You got to be messy. It's you're... never going to be perfect. <laughs> yeah. Then we say FFT, you're effing first time and there just has to be an effing first time with everything. There has to be every and, time. There and is. you're not going to be finessed about it. And it's just you just have to get over the hump of it. You can't. I love that. And then the other question Alison had was, um, do you, she finds it hard just managing all of the media and organizing like videos and audios. And do you have like any magic system for handling all of your media and files and folders? 
oh geez no you don't want to see mine <laughs> yeah mine are scattered all over the place sometimes i'm like what did i call that again and i'm like searching like search macintosh hd it's not there search oh it's crazy you don't <laughs> okay. I, it's something i wish i could i could be better at to be honest and i say it every time i'm doing something i'm like now oh, i'm going to be real organizing this one now make a new folder yeah no don't know where anything is don't know where i know but you're here and you're thriving so that's maybe some kind of solace yeah. for us as well they don't have to be perfect at, at a no, 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 perfect no, no, fighting no. with a little bit more organization probably wouldn't, <laughs> wouldn't go astray <laughs> I think ma mainly like anyone that I know that has really gotten places, has uh, achieved a level of success is sound, like is a <laughs> sound person. And like yeah. so many people, like if you want to make it big, I think you have to be a decent sound person who gets on with people, who's grounded, who's got a good mindset, good outlook, good attitude, nice to work with. And so, you know, you tick, you tick all of those boxes. And I think it's Thank just- you continue there's a lot of assholes at the top though so yeah. I, don't how, I don't know how they got there <laughs> how are they yeah. <laughs> they've, they've paid their way up there you know yeah uh, yeah totally well thanks so much for chatting no to problem Gemma. thank you very yeah. much I'm broke.